I just feel like we still have so much work to do in dispersing information about the pelvic floor. So many people just don't know anything about it, haven't been, Mm -hmm. you know, they go into delivery without ever once being told to do anything with their pelvic floor. So Mm -hmm. um, that would be the the first thing that I would talk about is really just prevention with um, learning how to properly engage and relax your pelvic floor. Welcome to the Messy Mom Podcast by Fit Mama in 30, where we are all about ditching the idea of perfection during motherhood and embracing the messy, ranging from topics about pre and postnatal health, infertility, mom guilt, and the craziness that comes with raising a family. Get ready for 30 minutes of real, raw, and messy content. Let's work to embrace the messy together. Hey, hey, mamas, and welcome to another episode of the Messy Mom Podcast. We are very excited because we have our first guest in kind of a long time, um, Caroline Sinfraco, who is a women's health nurse practitioner. You might have seen her on our stories and Instagram before because she's jumped on there in the past to talk about um, just women's health. Specifically at that time, it was infertility, and today she is talking about A very important topic, um, one that I am actually extremely, when Carrie and I talked about this (laughs) a little bit, um, two podcasts ago, worried about, and that is all about tearing during labor and delivery. So if you want a little bit more information about what is tearing, maybe, you know, some ways that you can, you know, not necessarily prevent it, I guess, but reduce at least the risk and severity of it, then keep on listening. So welcome, Caroline. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. And just a little um, background, Caroline and I actually both went to Purdue together. So (laughs) boiler up. (laughs) So we have that in common. Um, but we'll just kind of dive right in. So why don't you first just tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, any hobbies, that type of thing. Sure. So, um, I live in Indianapolis now. Um, I have been with my husband for 10 years. We also met at Purdue, um, married for about five of them. And we've kind of bounced around ever since we, um, got married. So, Lived um, mostly in the Midwest, but we actually just moved back to the Indianapolis area from Florida, um, which is where I had my son. So we have a a one-year-old son, um, and we also have a Cocker Spaniel. So those two kind of Mm -hmm. run our world. (laughs) Um, Yeah, dog and baby, taking (laughs) up all our time. They're both Um, very cute, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. Um, so, yeah, that I work full-time as a women's health NP in um, OBGYN right now. But prior to that, I was a labor and delivery nurse and a nurse in infertility and then worked as a nurse practitioner in fertility for a little while as well. Um, when I'm not working, I spend a lot of time just with um, family and friends, but I love to exercise um, and I also sing. So I was waiting for my... that one. Well, yeah, yeah. you know what's <laughs> funny? Like, as soon as you logged on, Caroline, I was like, you have an amazing voice. I was just thinking like the way you, you know, how you, you I feel like you, when you talk to someone, you can tell if they can sing. I cannot for anyone listening. Um, oh Caroline, 
You can tell She's you can an amazing sing. singer. You know when you listen back to Don't let her fool talk, you. It never sounds like what I think my my voice sounds like <laughs> in my head. So it's always different. <laughs> no, you have a great voice. You just have a good speaking voice. Like you need to start your own podcast, I feel oh, like because you have a very good podcast voice and like I said don't let her fool you she's not just she doesn't just like to sing like she's like an amazing singer yeah I've hung up my hat now though so I just sing for weddings occasionally (laughs) you just sang at a wedding recently didn't you yeah it was my sister it was a lot of fun yeah oh so fun with a song with her and her um now husband so it was really fun oh fun that's awesome that is fun. Yeah. You've had a, um, quite a diverse experience in like the different areas of women's health too. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't realize you had kind of touched all of those different segments. I mean, that was, that's a lot. Yeah. It's been a really interesting career so far. I mean, I feel like I had such a good nursing experience to be able to see the labor and delivery side of things for a long time, um, which is where I absolutely fell in love with women's health. I just think that women's reproductive system is the most miraculous thing in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. But then also just had a passion for fertility where I feel like it just connected the other side of things. And um, now getting to see patients during pregnancy and for gynecology care, it's great. So that's awesome. You are. That's awesome. Very well-rounded. Yeah. Well, let's dive into today's amazing topic. (laughs) Um, So yeah, if you're a mother out there or even have ever planned on having one, I'm sure this has come across your mind as a thought. Um, So Caroline, just with you, let's hear your explanation of, you know, what exactly is tearing and what causes it? Yeah, sure. So tearing is really just injury to some part of like the vagina, the perineum, any structure during delivery um, is kind of apt to have some tearing. And really what happens is just when a head is going through the vaginal canal during a vaginal birth, there is a level of stretching that the perineum and the vaginal walls, um, the labia are all able to adapt to. But when those structures hit the point that they cannot stretch anymore, they tear to make room for the baby to move through. And so the technical term for that is called a laceration. Um, There are, you know, it's one of the most common things to happen, or one of the most common birth injuries, I should say. Um, It's anywhere from like 55 to 80% of women will have a tear during delivery um, with a vaginal birth. And there are, you are able to have a tear, you know, in the perineum is where it's most commonly discussed about, which is the section between the base of the vagina and the rectum. But you can also have a tear of the labia um, or in the vaginal walls up near the urethra. So you can kind of tear anywhere, but most commonly it's between the base of the vagina and the rectum. And that's what you hear most people talk about when they say a perineal laceration. Interesting. I don't think I knew it. (laughs) It sounds horrible. It just like sounds awful to me. Like everything you're explaining, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, oh. I know. It's It's okay. It's definitely one of the biggest fears for everybody going into a delivery. And I think it's just when you're on the other side of it, which I'm sure Carrie could attest to too, it, it just, it's amazing how quickly you heal and how you do feel back to normal. Um, obviously there's exceptions to that, but, um, but for the most part, the, the perineum and the vagina, it's amazing. And it really does adapt to those injuries very well. 
That's great. I didn't know. So the inside, just out of curiosity. So when you tear and you set in the inside, is that Mm -hmm. something they use, they do stitches for, or is that something that repairs on its own? Does it depend on the degree? It it totally depends. Yeah. Yeah, They don't like, um, they don't really use degrees for those types. Really the degree system or the rating system is strictly for the perineal lacerations. But, um, for the most part, if they're just like abrasions, so like thinking about like knocking your knee on a table and having just a little scratch that wouldn't need a stitch. A lot of the internal, um, lacerations are more like abrasions like that little cuts that don't necessarily need stitches. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> Bailey. <Fun stuff. laughs> very, very interesting. Bailey, you're cracking me up. Uh, just because I'm like, you know me, this is my like wor- my worst fear. But I know yes. it is very common. Yeah. Um, and everyone else seems to get through it. So I think it'll be yes. fine. Right. You're great. <laughs> you're going to be great. Um, so Carrie, you kind of touched base on this and mentioned like degrees. So for those that, you know, don't really know about tearing, maybe not have thought about it, you Mm -hmm. know, what are the different degrees of tearing? Okay. So like I mentioned before, when we're talking about degrees, it's really specific to the perineum. So that's that portion below the vagina and above the, um, the rectum. So Mm -hmm. the first degree is when you just have injury to the perineal skin. So that skin just below the vagina, Um, and may or may not need stitches for a first degree laceration. Um, definitely the most common and, you know, can happen with the second or third kiddo too, um, just depending on what your situation is. But Mm -hmm. a second degree is also pretty common. That is when you have injury to the perineal skin and the muscle, um, behind the skin. So that perineal muscle, um, and it's usually repaired with stitches, Um, then there's a third degree, which there's actually several types of third degrees, but just the basic way to say it is that it involves the perineal skin, the muscle, and it also goes into the anal sphincter. Um, and a third, a fourth degree, which is the least common type of tear, um, is when it involves the anal sphincter and the anal epithelium, which means that it involves the actual, it tears through to the rectum. Um, So not pleasant to think about, but the good thing is those last two are really far and few between. Um, I, you know, was trying to look at a little bit of more numbers so I could give those to you guys um, today. And it was, it's kind of a mixed um, basket here, but most of them are showing that's less than 3% chance of having a fourth degree. And even some studies show less than one. Um, And then like a, between a three and 10% chance of having a third degree. Okay, but pretty so low. low. Yeah, pretty yeah. low. And, you know, there are definitely risk factors that are, like, shown to be related specifically to third and fourth degree, which um, if anybody out there has had an operative vaginal birth, meaning, like, a you used a forceps or a vacuum, those were more likely to see the um, third and fourth degrees with as well. So definitely some things that play a role in, in your likelihood of having a more severe tear like that. Mm-hmm. And this is actually really great information because I'm currently taking like an online birth class mm-hmm. and it's not actually through the hospital that I'll be delivering at, but uh, we actually had her on our pod, on our podcast, podcast, <laughs> um, Dr. Nicole Rankin, she has oh. a birth prep course. And in her course, she had mentioned that in 15 years of being an OBGYN, she's only seen 
like a fourth degree tear, I think like one or two times. Wow. Um, So that at least made me feel a lot better. (laughs) Yeah. I would say even from my experience as a labor and delivery nurse and seeing patients for their postpartum visits, I, to be honest, can't even think of the last time I saw someone with a fourth degree tear. So it really does not happen very often. Okay. There you go, Bay. I know, yes, right? Good yes. to know. I'm like, maybe one to two, three and four. Ew, that's a little. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever, you know, comes my way, we'll deal with. It's fine. Right. Exactly. Um, and just out of curiosity, this wasn't really something, you know, we chatted about beforehand, but what is like a common way of, like, is there something you do specifically to help heal different degrees of tearing? Like, if you do have a third or fourth, do they give you, obviously, I'm sure, like pain medication or <laughs> different ways of cleaning it? I don't know. How would you heal that, I guess? Is yeah. So really, the care it. for it isn't too different fr- based on degree. Um, okay. I mean, first degree probably just wouldn't need that as much attention. But especially if you have a third and fourth degree, we're sending you home with, you know, dermaplast, this basically numbing spray for that area. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody, no matter what um, laceration they get, would have a peri bottle to clean with. So anybody with these tears, we wouldn't want you wiping for several weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so you use a little spray bottle after you use the rest room to keep that area nice and clean and only dabbing. Um, and then ice is going to be our best friend to keeping inflammation mm-hmm. down in that area. Cause no matter what happens during birth, we're always going to be pretty swollen there. Mm-hmm. Um, so ice is a good way of numbing those tears, but also keeping inflammation down, which can really help the healing process as well. Um, and then there are some other lovely, um, you know, basically like medicated pads or liners that you can put on there. So I'm a huge fan of, I don't know if you've heard of the Freedom Mom kit. Yes. Um, They have those perineal cooling pads in there, which I think for me, so I had almost third degree, but it was a second degree. Um, they said they said it was real close to being a third degree. So I'm happy <laughs> like, that oh gosh. I'm happy you missed the mark on that. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I survived on those perineal cooling liners and my spray. And then I also used tuck pads as well. So we kind of um, try to armor you up with as many things that can numb the area and also um, keep the swelling down to help it heal. Um, and really it's just time other than, you know, taking your ibuprofen and your Tylenol as needed for pain and those other measures to decrease discomfort. As long as it's kept nice and clean, uh, we expect it to heal really well, um, over those, you know, first few weeks of being home. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I didn't know if there would be like, you know, diff- a different process for each different degree, but it sounds like it's all kind of the same. Yeah, I think relatively. the biggest thing with the third and fourth degree tears is really once we've allowed the repairs to heal is checking for any like lingering, you know, issues from that injury. Mm-hmm. So like anytime we have the rectum involved, we're really worried about control of the anal sphincter. So we're going to pay a lot more attention to, you know, how this patient's doing with their bowel movements. And if they're having any, you know, fecal incontinence or any issues going, you know, holding their um, bowel movements or, you know, having any issues with uh, urination too, it'll be a lot more of like what kind of follow-up is needed for that patient just because of how, you know, severe the tear was, but Mm -hmm. for healing wise, pretty much the same process. Very interesting. Good to know. Good info. Yeah. Well, now that we've kind of talked about everything that 
tearing and what it is and what happens after, uh, you know, Bailey and I always talk about obviously our entire prenatal course is to help women get prepared for labor, you know, hopefully decrease the chances of tearing by proper breathing techniques and really training those pelvic floor muscles. But besides, you know, what that kind of stuff, what is, is there, are there other things that you can do or your doctor can do in advance or even during the labor process to kind of help reduce tearing? Or the severity of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say most of like what the prevention techniques are for are really to prevent the severity of it. Like all the Mm -hmm. research kind of shows that no matter what we do, the, um, the, the chances of having like an intact perineum or no tears at all, um, compared to either having like a first or a second degree not it's not too much of a reduction with these types of techniques, but it really, really shows that it's helping reduce the third and fourth degree lacerations, which were much more common in the past when things weren't well known about the perineal or about the pelvic floor. And also there were a lot more episiotomies done. So mm-hmm. we've definitely improved our work of figuring out what we can do to help prevent these, but um, there's still, you know, only so much we can do with head size and delivery and (laughs) ability to stretch to prevent those um, much smaller tears. So, well, first, I mean, I love what you guys have with Fit Mama and 30. There is so much, like, I just feel like we still have so much work to do in dispersing information about the pelvic floor. So many people just don't know anything about it, haven't been, Mm -hmm. you know, they go into delivery without ever once being told to do anything with their pelvic floor. So, Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the, the first thing that I would talk about is really just prevention with, um, learning how to properly engage and relax your pelvic floor. Um, and usually recommend starting that, um, sometime in the, the later third trimester, like 34, 35, 36 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would turn to you guys or any other, you know, pelvic floor physical therapy people to give the proper, um, you know, stretching and relaxation techniques to use to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing you can really do at home is perineal massage. Mm-hmm. So this is something that I did, which I think I'm going to chalk it up to keeping me from having a third degree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, might as well, but, right? Um, it, I had, I knew I had a big baby come in. My, my husband was a 10-pound kiddo, and oh. I – um, I'm not a very big woman, so I was really nervous about the size of my baby, and I was trying to do everything in my power to, you know, reduce the tear severity for myself. So, so there's some good research that shows that perineal massage can reduce the amount of trauma that happens with a tearing during birth. Um, so this is recommended to start around 35 weeks, and the way that it works is you put some lubrication on your fingers. Um, you get into a comfortable position. So sometimes you can put a foot up on a stool or you can be laying back in bed with your knees relaxed to the side. And really all you're going to do is put pressure down, um, on the base of the vagina. So put, you know, just about an inch in of your fingers into the vagina and then put pressure down on the, the perineal floor there and then massage in a U. So kind of swipe from left to right in a U shape. Um, and really only for about, you know, five or 10 minutes, um, a few times a week, um, will give you some kind of re- more relaxation of the um, muscles, or I guess a better way to say it is it's a decreased 
resistance to the muscles. Um, so that is maybe helpful to kind of give you a reduction in the chance of trauma, but it also is really shown to help um, decrease the need for an episiotomy. Um, I don't know if what you guys um, have thought about this or if you've heard much about it. I know for some people it just sounds too weird to do, so they choose not to do it. Um, some people's partner helps them with it. So it kind of just depends on your comfort level. To me, yeah. it makes so much sense. Like if you think about mm -hmm. how the body works and how muscles work, like mm -hmm. that makes so much, it makes so much sense that it would help. Yeah. I always kind of compare it to like foam rolling or. Yes. That's know, exactly what like I was thinking of. Tissue massage. Mm -hmm. yeah, it helps kind of prepare those muscles to work their best. Um, so the same thing with this, it just is, it kind of redu reduces that resistance. So when that baby's coming through the birth canal, um, hopefully this has prepared those muscles to be able to stretch much more easily and reduce injury. So I do think it's a good thing to do. Um, and it's also part of the technique that's used during delivery. So I know we talked a little bit about like what we can do um, in preparation for it. And those are really two of the biggest like things. So pelvic floor relaxation techniques, which is really turning to you guys and um, other types of stretching and um, activities to relax the pelvic floor, and then the perineal massage at home. But during delivery, um, what your team is doing on the other side for you is perineal massage also. So there, it, most of the studies show that this really just helps reduce third and fourth degree tears, which means it's very important, mm -hmm. um, but doesn't necessarily mean you won't get a first or a second degree with it. Um, and that is during the second stage, which the second stage of labor is considered pushing. Um, when you're pushing, they may be doing that same exact motion with your perineum. So they have gel on their glove and they're given a nice massage to um, the pelvic floor there um, as you're pushing. Maybe in between pushes or during pushes, just kind of to each their own on how the provider actually does that. Um, but the other thing they're doing while they're um, working with you during pushing is giving some support to the rectum. Um, this is kind of mixed evidence on how much this really helps, but the thought is to kind of give support to that area so there's not as much pressure from the head during pushing um, directly on the rectum. So those can be pretty helpful during delivery. Interesting. Yeah. Do you feel like that, because you had mentioned like, you know, now they're reducing episiotomies. Mm -hmm. So is that something that like with the compressing and then the perineal massage, is that kind of relatively new then yeah. as far as care instead of an episiotomy? Or I guess why would you, would you do that and not an episiotomy? Like, is there negative effects to an episiotomy? Yeah. So now because of what the studies show, which I'll talk a little bit more about that, but um, episiotomies, are, we try to avoid as much as possible um, and really only utilize them when we know um, or when there is like a, a risk to the baby or the mom. So say the baby's fetal heart tones are, you know, showing signs, some signs of distress and it's really between doing an episiotomy or bringing you back for an emergency C-section. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, sometimes the episiotomy is not the, um, you know, it doesn't work. We end up having to do C-section anyway, but usually that episiotomy is done in, in those dire need situations. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not done very much anymore. And the reason for that is because it was, it's, was showing a higher incidence of getting those 
third and fourth degree tears. Um, when we found out without episiotomy, women are much more likely to have the first or the second degree tear. Um, so we're see we were seeing a higher um, prevalence of kind of birth injury and longstanding issues. So like, um, you know, some pelvic floor dysfunction from people who had episiotomies and learned over time that they probably weren't as necessary as um, everyone thought they were. Um, I think before we thought that doing an episiotomy would help it be a really clean laceration. And, you know, we thought this was something great to help make it an easy repair. But we just learned that it was too much of a drastic technique for what the women actually needed, essentially. Interesting. Yeah. And I do think it's been pretty recent. Um, definitely since I've been here, I've seen, you know, the amount of episiotomies that I see go way down. But it was a big push from the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Um, in I would in saying recent, I just mean like within the last 10, 20 years to um, do a lot more research on how to reduce the severity of lacerations. So that's when we started seeing all these new studies and, you know, trying to promote basically preventing episiotomies. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, um, but I know Bailey had mentioned compress. That was, um, and that's another thing that actually does significantly reduce third and fourth degree tears. So using like a warm washcloth, which I think, um, you know, just from my experience, a lot of OBs have gotten on board with is just doing, um, a warm washcloth on the perineum during that second stage of labor. So while, you know, in between massaging and pushing, they're kind of holding that warm compress there, which is um, pretty helpful as well. Nice. Makes sense. Yeah. So it seems like they're just doing a lot of just newer research things instead of just the episiotomy as that research has come out to help mm -hmm. reduce the severity. It's not like it's going to necessarily reduce all tearing. That's probably you know, pretty uncommon to not tear, I would assume, especially right. with your first one. But it seems like all those things reduce the severity, which is right. definitely important. Yes, <laughs> Bailey, you have you have science and <laughs> mechanisms on your side. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to be as prepared as possible. But I know birth is totally unpredictable it as is. well. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like, you know, you just got to go with what happens at yes. the end of the day. But yeah. This has been so informative. I know yeah. for me, um, I know Carrie, you even learned a little bit. I know oh, you don't absolutely. plan on having any more kids. No, <laughs> no, thank you. It's always helpful when you kind of understand just the new research and kind of what's going on and out there. And, you know, we, we've heard of a little bit, you know, of research and different things you can do to help reduce the severity, but we're definitely not the experts on it. So we didn't want to, you know, speak about it sure. because we are yeah. definitely not the experts. So we really appreciate you coming on and just giving us this information. I think a lot of women will find it extremely helpful. I know I did for That's sure. Good. Yes. I'm um, so happy to have done this and Kind of, I love staying in my lane too. So that's why I didn't jump on here and try to explain how to relax your pelvic floor. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to look to you guys to explain that. <laughs> it takes a village, right? It does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we have one more question that we ask every single guest. And typically they don't have any trouble coming up with an answer. And I'm sure with you having a one-year-old, you will not either. <laughs> um, but the question is, what is one messy mom moment or moment that you can think of? And for some reason, if you can't, what advice do you have for mamas to embrace the messiness in their life? 
Well, I feel like I'm always a hot mess and just like. <laughs> um, so it immediately makes me think of my son's first day of daycare, uh, which was an absolute nightmare. Um, so I was always already a nervous wreck and, um, we were supposed to be taking him that morning and it was the day that Indianapolis got a ton of snow and it was freezing and everything was shut down. Um, but we woke up at maybe 5am and we're both freezing. We come outside, our heat had shut off and it was 50 degrees in our house. Oh, and no, our, oh I walked in and I ran to the nursery in full panic mode and my son was absolutely asleep, but ice cold. So I had a heart attack, found like a, um, you know, a space heater, shut it in the room. My husband's trying to figure out if the daycare is even open and how to get the heat back on and trying to feed him. It was an absolute mess. And then we got stuck in, in our, our, you know, driveway trying to get out to the, get, get out to take him to daycare. And then we were trying to find, it was an absolute mess of a day. And I think just looking back on it, I was so stressed out that whole time and just kept thinking like, how is this even happening of all days for this to occur? But looking back on it now, we laugh about it. And I think that's the key is just like, he was safe. The baby was fine. We are all okay. Everybody made it out. Okay. But just in the moment, it just seemed like such an ordeal. And I think that's how it is a lot for having a kid. I just, there's so many things that along the way, I'm like, this is the end of the world. And then two months later, I find something new to be the end of the world. And that was <laughs> so it really is just letting like the little things slide by and being really happy when you know that everybody is safe and healthy. <laughs> that is so true. Every single day feels like this is serious, ha- seriously happening. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's life, right? Yeah, it's great. Oh, man. Well, but- Caroline, thank you so much. This was seriously, I learned a lot. Um, And I, I love, just like you said, I know like even sometimes when you say like certain techniques, you know, we talk about pelvic floor, we say the word vagina. I think the more we seriously say it, I think it will finally become normalized because we talk about every single muscle in our body. But as soon as you talk about someone's pelvic floor or vagina, they're like, wait a minute, what? Yes. Yes. You have one. Let's talk about it. (laughs) I know. I know. So thank you for coming on. I know. And just really getting into this because yeah as Bailey as we all know <laughs> Bailey is definitely a little concerned about tearing so I know yeah, she's not no, the only you're gonna one you're going to do great yes gonna hopefully everyone's going to well. be like after the fact don't worry guys I'll let you know how my birth story goes I'll I let know, you know oh, totally. the degree the, the tear and everything. <laughs> everyone's probably like oh gosh how is she going to handle it <laughs> you'll be fine Aww. well Caroline for if for all of our listeners if they're looking for more information on women's health and where to follow you where can we find you yeah, so I have a fairly new Instagram called Women's Health with Care, um, and that I share a whole bunch about labor, delivery, postpartum, and just women's health in general, um, a lot about infertility as well. So I would be happy to meet you there, and um, feel free to send me any follow-up questions from today, too. That's awesome. We'll put that in the show notes, too, so you guys yeah. can all find her account. Awesome. And I just... What I just realized is it women's health with care like Caroline? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so um, cute. I love it. You know, that I is tried cute. A bit. Like I didn't get that <laughs> until you like said it, and then when you said it, I was like, Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, that's what. <laughs> I oh, think that's it works. Perfect. Oh, it works. Yeah. Yes, love it. That is cute. Aww. That is cute. Thanks. Well, thank you guys so much for doing what you do, and thanks so much for having me on today too. Oh, you're welcome. We appreciate you.
And for all you listeners, if you would like to love on this podcast, you know it. Learn more helpful tips and information. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review, and share with other mamas so they can find us and learn how to embrace, embrace the messiness in their lives. All right, mamas, until next time, we will talk to you soon.